I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. On this week's show, we're stepping out of the comfort of the WFUV studios and into the heart of nature. Yes, even in the concrete jungle, nature is far from elusive. The New York City Parks Department oversees more than 30,000 acres of land in all five boroughs, including where we are today, Central Park. We're here to talk with a couple of urban park rangers. The urban park rangers are celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. They came on the scene during a very different time in New York City. Their mission has evolved, but they still play a critical role in the Big Apple. My name is Mark Sanchez. I'm the deputy director of the Urban Park Rangers. My name is Rob Mastriani, and I'm an Urban Park Ranger supervisor, sergeant. How long have you both been Urban Park Rangers now? I've been with the Urban Park Rangers for 14 years. I've been with the Rangers for 13 years. What road leads one to be an Urban Park Ranger? (laughs) My interest is in history. Um, When I initially started this job, I was a seasonal ranger called an Urban Park Ranger Fellow. And I just really fell in love with parks. Um, I started working at a park that I grew up playing in. And uh, with so much history at Van Cortlandt Park and so much nature, just really led me to have this as my career. So you're a native Bronxite? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. How about you, Rob? Um, Let's see. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, so I'm a native New Yorker as well. And um, ever since I was a kid, I had an obsession with the outdoors and especially birds of prey. And I remember it must have been like 2005, there was an event in Central Park on the East Meadow. It was a big raptor fest, but back then they called it falconry extravaganza. And um, so when I was there, I saw those park rangers there. And I was, you know, amazed. I was like, holy cow, this must be like the coolest job to have in New York City. And with my passion with birds of prey, and I was an apprentice falconer at the time. So I met um, Ranger Rick that day, and you know he, you know, introduced himself, and I told him what I was doing at the time as an apprentice falconer, and he says, "Oh, you should sign up for the fellowship program." Just what Mark mentioned that he started out as a seasonal ranger, and then that's that's what happened. In 2006, I started. And are you still involved with Birds of Prey? Um, yep. You know, I still love leading tours. You know, about Birds of Prey. We do a bald eagle watch up in Inwood Hill Park. And um, that's really exciting to see New Yorkers see a bald eagle for the first time, to get that reaction. It's, like, so enthusiastic and, you know, makes me happy to see. <laughs> the Urban Park Rangers are celebrating their 40th anniversary here in New York City. But New York City back in 1979 was a much different place, wasn't it? Yes, yes. So uh, during the late 70s, the city kind of fell into, uh, city parks actually fell into a disrepair. Um, there were abandoned cars all over the place. Uh, crime was really high. And, uh, you, you know, as much as parks are places that you want to be today, back in the late 70s, people did not want to visit parks. So um, in the spring of 1979, Commissioner, then Commissioner, um, uh, Commissioner Gordon Davis uh, had this vision to bring urban park rangers to the park to kind of reclaim the park and and bring the park back to the people. So really what it was, it was a uniform force of rangers with the iconic Smokey the Bear hat, as we wear, uh, that was, they were there to kind of uh, be a uniform presence in, in parks and uh, be a set of eyes and have since evolved into uh one of the uh, the premier outdoor educators in New York City. What are among the programs that you all run today? 
So we have a myriad of programs. Uh, we have programs for school groups. We have programs for uh, for the general public. Uh, programs for for kids and families. We lead a program called the Natural Classroom, which is for our school groups. Uh, that's for all for all grades. We teach about ecology. We teach about ornithology, which is the study of birds. We teach about entomology, which is the study of insects, among many other uh, topics. Our weekend adventure programs, which are free programs that, that are designed for New Yorkers to come and take a nature walk with us or take an overnight camping trip. <laughs> we have archery programs on Staten Island, along with our fishing programs, our, uh, our canoeing programs throughout the five boroughs. Um, help me out here, Rob. Yeah, so yeah, canoeing is a popular one. So right now we're sitting um, right by the Harlem Mirror in Central Park, and this is a great place for um, you know the general public to come get a basic canoe lesson. And we have um, a couple of those coming up. You can check our schedule. And like I said earlier, you know about talking about bald eagles, how to see a New Yorker react to you know seeing an eagle for the first time, and you get that reaction too right here with canoes because a lot of people that grew up um, around the neighborhood here never actually been on a canoe. Or on a lake, so it's a you know exciting experience for them. You know, it's fun to watch that. You know, and teach them about that and connect them to that. How much more plentiful are bald eagles today? Because 40 years ago, they were not that prominent, right? The environment was not friendly to them. Uh, that's that's true. Yeah. So you know, when I started back in 2006, you know, we would see a couple here and there uh, along the Hudson by Inwood Hill Park, and throughout the years, we would see like. I was it a couple of years ago? It was actually in the winter of 2018. We saw we counted 19 bald eagles on one sheet of ice because they like to sit on the ice flows on the Hudson River, and there was 19 of them. And it just blew my mind. And we, I was with a large group that day, and you know people were so excited. And there was a, a couple visiting from England, and the the guy was a big time birder, and he, that was his goal to see an eagle on his visit to New York City. Um, or to America, and he got so excited, he, he actually proposed to his girlfriend. <laughs> it actually made the New York Times. It was pretty funny. It was a really fun experience. <laughs> How varied are the bird species here in Central Park and throughout New York City? Well, this is like one of the most popular places to go bird watching, especially in the Ramble in Central Park, where you can see over 200 species of birds, actually close to 300 species of birds. And this time of year, you're going to see a lot of warblers, which are little, you know, pretty little birds that, you know, that move really fast. I'm not the greatest at IDing them, and there's some, you know, ranges that are, like, professional, like, you know, warbler ID, you know, ideas, but, <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, that's a big draw um, for birders here. So we got birders from all around the world that come here just to go bird watching, right here in the middle of Manhattan, which is pretty, you know, exciting, you know. Let me just say, with, with birding, I mean, I like to focus my birding efforts outside of Central Park, um, so being a native Bronx site, um, I did birding at Van Cortlandt Park and, uh, and, and at, at Pelham Bay and Orchard Beach. There's a variety of species of owls there year-round, but I can tell you one of, the, one of the most unique experiences as an urban park ranger was, um, I believe it was in 2006, there was a rare warbler at Union Square Park. Nobody would really think to visit that park uh, specifically for for wildlife or birds at that. And people were coming from around the country just to see this warbler because it had it, it it hadn't been seen in this region in quite some time. So 
as a ranger, uh, we took that opportunity. So often enough, when things like that happen, we have also uh, programs. We have programs that are called pop-up adventures, where we're bringing stuff. Like there is a notable species, we'll often set up a spotting scope, or we'll have binoculars available. So just the average New Yorker who's just passing by, not particularly even coming to one of our programs, is educated. So if we were having a pop-up adventure right now, I would stop that gentleman right there, and I would say, "Hey, sir, we're here at the Harlem Mirror, and there is a mallard duck there. Can I tell you a little bit more about a mallard duck?" And you know, that gentleman, I'm sure, would walk away. And he he would know a thing or two about mallard ducks that he didn't know before. Um, Recently, there was a rare duck that turned up here in Central Park, right? <laughs> that, was, uh, that was pretty funny. That was the rock star of the ducks. <laughs> yep, so that was the mandarin duck. Um, it was our celebrity bird here in Central Park, drawing large crowds. So, yeah, like Mark said, that's a great opportunity to educate and outreach to the public. And also have some crowd control, because it was like a celebrity. People getting trying to get too close with their cameras. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It's a domestic duck that um, it didn't actually fly here from China. <laughs> so most likely it was in someone's uh, private property and decided to fly away, you know. And it, you know, its cousins are actually the wood ducks. Um, so it was hanging out with its cousins on the 59th Street Pond. And so, yeah. How diverse is the wildlife throughout the New York City park system? Oh, it's 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 very diverse. Um, when we're talking about birds specifically, it depends on what time of year because birds migrate. But there are the urban park rangers. We have an event. Uh, we have an annual event called Urban Wildlife Festival, in which we do speak about all of the urban wildlife that you can find here. This past year, uh, the event was actually on May fourth. This past year, we did feature some of uh, some of New York City's uh, wildlife. We had a feature on uh, squirrels. We had a feature on chipmunks. We had a feature on bats, raccoons coyotes yeah um deer these are all just some of the some of the wildlife species that we have here in new york city depending on which borough you're in you may see some a lot more often than others um but for being the concrete jungle as as it's known there is actually an abundance of wildlife here how surprised are people to know that there are coyotes in New York <laughs> yeah. City, or even deer in New York City? Very surprised. Um, you know, working here in Central Park, I've actually um, saw a coyote um, a couple of years back, and that was unbelievable. I'm like, you know, a lot of people don't believe you when you tell them, but, you know, it's, you know we could coexist with wildlife, and that's part of our um, mission is to educate um, the public on how to coexist with wildlife and appreciate it from a distance. So how do you go about teaching people to interact well with wildlife? We just really teach them methods. First of all, we want to debunk any myths that they may have about animals. Um, one that's common is that if they see a raccoon during the day, that it's, it's sick or it's rabbit. So a, a lot of our messaging is, you know, these animals are also New Yorkers, and there are ways that you can live with them. You, you, you can coexist with them. So with raccoons in particular, they're going to really like to be around where there's a food source. So something as simple as just tying up your garbage or closing the lid on your trash cans will actually do a lot for keeping raccoons away. I have a funny raccoon story. So this is from Central Park. I got a call from a parent um, at a playground down by um, Tavern on the Green. And she's like, oh, there's a raccoon um, terrorizing the, you know, the playground. So I was like, I rushed down there. And when I get there, there's a raccoon sitting under a tree with a pizza box open, 
eating pizza like a person. <laughs> so when I went over to the parents, I said, what happened with, with this raccoon? She said, you know, we were playing on the swings and I left my pizza in the box on a bench. So the raccoon came down from the tree, pulled the pizza box <laughs> under the fence and then sat and enjoyed the pizza. And the reason, and this was in the middle of the day and she thought it was rabid. And I had explained that, you know, she had babies up in the tree. So, you know, they get hungry during the day and they have to feed themselves too. So, you know, they're opportunistic. It smelled that pizza sitting there by itself, you know, unattended, and then came down. So it's important not to leave your food out like that. That leads park. me to think that there's no such thing as a typical day That's for an true. urban park ranger. That's true. It's always an adventure every day, something different to experience, you know, with the wildlife or interacting with the public. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I can say that, I mean, from my time in the field, I was in the field for 13 years before becoming deputy director, and there is no typical day. Um, you know, I can, I can lead a program for children in the morning and then uh, have to deal with an injured squirrel in the afternoon, and then that can even end up to me, for me having to enforce rules and uh, write a summons or even make an arrest. Uh, urban park rangers are able to do that. We are New York State peace officers, which was a power that we actually, is part of the evolution of urban park rangers back in 1979 urban park rangers did not have that power um, so it's one of the things that throughout the 40 years that urban park rangers have actually been given the power uh, to make arrests and issue summons and have been new york state peace officers what's involved in the training of an urban park ranger uh, well we go to the same academy as the parks enforcement patrol a lot of the academy is just becoming familiar with parks becoming familiar with park rules and regulations and uh, we do get a myriad of of a training on how to deal with difficult people some law enforcement stuff so how to effectively uh, write summonses how to make arrests things like that but a lot of the training is also just how to interpret the park and how to how to take opportunities that may not be typically thought of as an opportunity to educate, how to turn that into something where people can learn. So just from sitting here in the park, I can pretty much turn around and just teach you about that, that, uh, that, that Phragmites right behind us, right? And we, that what? Uh, the the Phragmites. Um, I can teach you all about the Phragmites and just talk about different species of uh, of of an invasive uh, grass and then also the birds really like the Phragmites because it provides a good hiding spot but also inside of that Phragmites there's probably some muskrats or two that are trying to hide from red-tailed hawks which are often circling around the Harlem Mirror. We also have a pair of red-tailed hawks right above uh, our office. So, you know, it's just how to use the park to, to interpret. I think that's a lot of your park ranger training. Every year we get other trainings just to kind of keep our skills sharp. So we get training on outdoor skills. We get special trainings from other entities within New York City or other educational institutions. So earlier on in the year we had a training at the American Museum of Natural History. We've had trainings at the, the New York State Aquarium. So a lot of our training comes from building relationships with other educational um, institutions. 
I have to go back to the Phragmites because I know that there's someone listening right now still going, what is that? What does it look like? <laughs> Phragmites, uh, how would I best verbally describe it? That's invasive. Yeah, sure, it, yeah. It, it certainly is. It's one of the most invasive species that we have in New York. We should say it's like tall grass. This is not an animal. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a tall grass. Uh, it's often found in wetlands. A lot of people may say it looks like kind of like a wheatgrass. That's what we hear a lot when we try to point it out to children and say, children, what do you think this is? And they're like, it's wheat. And uh, that's a good sign that, we, you know, at least we know that they know that it exists. And then we take that opportunity to educate uh, all about invasive species so we can go from speaking about invasive species of plants right into speaking about invasive species of animals, so with particular birds in this case. So uh, one invasive species of birds that I could think of when speaking about Phragmites and going off on, on my rangerness uh, would be uh, starling. Starling would be an invasive species, which we have plenty of starlings here in New York City. Their story is actually um, pretty great. Originally, they were bought here as a tribute to, uh, to, to, to William Shakespeare and uh, have since just grown in numbers and now they're everywhere. <laughs> Rob, what surprises you most that exists in the New York City park system, whether it be a species of plant or a species of animal? Um, let's see. I, I would say owls, you know? you know, especially in a noisy park, you know, and you see like an owl, you know, sleeping in the you know, tree cavity. That always amazes me. I've seen screech owls nesting up in Inwood Hill Park, great horned owls up there as well. And um, also what really amazes me, growing up, you know, in Brooklyn as a New Yorker, and I remember as, as a kid never seeing, like, hawks or any kind of raptors. It was very rare when I was a kid growing up. And um, I would never expect to see a red-tailed hawk nesting in a park like Tompkins Square Park or Washington Square Park. And those are two little squares that we have, you know, successful um, nesting pairs of red-tailed hawks. And that just blows my mind, <laughs> you know, just to see that little urban, you know, it's like the perfect urban park, for example, is Tompkins Square on Avenue A, and tons of people, tons of noise, and, you know, and just seeing these red-tailed hawks hunting right in front of everybody, you know, and it amazes everybody. The locals are surprised, you know. Some people live right there, and, you know, and we'll go there to do a pop-up program and then point them out in a tree, and people will be like, oh, I lived here all these years, and I never knew they were here. I was like, well, the nest is right there. <laughs> you can see this giant nest, and it's like, oh, I guess I never really look up. That was one of the things somebody said to me the other day. Last Saturday, we had a program down there, and it's, you know, it's, it makes it fun as a ranger to you know, point these things out. But like I said, that amazes me to see an urban park with wildlife happening, and all types of birds like, are migrating through that park as well. New York City has an expansive park system. How many park rangers are there? Currently, we have park rangers in all five boroughs. Uh, we're an elite force uh, of just under 50. And, uh, you know, it, it's amazing that we're able to reach so many New Yorkers. As, as the deputy director, I'm, I'm very proud to have the park rangers that we do have currently in the field. They represent the mission of the Parks Department very well, and they're great. So in all of my time as, a, as an urban park ranger, I feel now more than ever the urban park rangers are really, really hitting on their mission. And uh, we're also tying in with the overall New York City parks mission. That's to get people out and get them active. So while the, per, while the urban park rangers are connecting New Yorkers to the natural world, as Rob was mentioning, you know, there are people that come to parks every day 
and you know oh I didn't know that that was there uh, you know now we really want to make sure that when people are coming through when they're coming to parks they're looking up rather than straight ahead uh, because they're there are a number of different things that they could see if they look up, whether it's a raccoon climbing a tree or a squirrel chasing its mate or a red-tailed hawk or an owl. These are the kind of... Or, or, or an opossum with babies. These are all the kind of things that we strive to connect New Yorkers to. Yeah, oftentimes we might be walking through the park. Someone might be sitting on a bench just like the one you guys are sitting on right now, looking at their smartphones, not looking at the world around them, right? Yeah, we we really try to be... We want to disconnect people from their devices, and we want to we, we wanna show people that there's so much going on around them with regards to the natural world. Um, some of our programs do require use of a smartphone, uh, so we have a number of, uh, of, of nature photography programs that we do encourage people to bring their cameras, uh, but nowadays with modern technology, a lot of the phones that are on, um, a lot of the camera phones that are out are even better than some of the handheld cameras that people have. So we do encourage people to bring those out, and we're showing people spots in the park and giving them tips about how to shoot better uh how to shoot better nature photography and things like that. You're both native New Yorkers. Is that pretty much the common thing among park rangers? No, actually. No, it's it's it, it's more rare these days. I feel when I first started uh when I first started 15 years ago, yes, like we everybody was from New York. Uh but I think just with the way that the city has been evolving, you know, New York City is an ever-growing city and everybody wants to come to New York City. To be a park ranger, you would need to have a diverse knowledge of the environment and of of nature, and uh, you know that exists throughout our country. And we have uh, many park rangers who have moved to New York from different parts of the country. So uh, they do a great job of making sure to first learn about our parks here and about our our, our diverse nature here. But they do an even more amazing job of making sure that New Yorkers are connected to it. Let's talk a bit more about the uniform. Has it changed much in 40 years? Other than some patches? Yeah, yeah. The We've certainly kept our iconic Smokey the Bear hat. Rangers these days uh, wear a gray shirt with green pants, and the Ranger sergeants wear a white shirt with sergeant stripes and a uh, and green pants. Um... We do have a winter uniform, and we have a summer uniform, which is short sleeves uh, for the summer, long sleeves for the winter. We have two different styles of, of campaign hat or Smokey the Bear hat. So we have a we have a straw hat for the summer, as you would imagine we would need it for our nice hot days, and we have a felt hat for the cold winters. Um, the patches and our logo has changed throughout the 40 years. I'm not sure what number patch we're on now, but mm-hmm. we used to wear uh, pants with a stripe on it, but now we wear a little bit more comfortable cargo-style pants, which just allows us to have more pockets to keep some more of our tools that we need. So often uh, we, we can carry field guides in our pockets and things like that, things that are going to help us do our job better. 
What are the essential tools that you need to carry, Rob? Oh, it depends on the program. You know, sometimes I'll have owl pellets in my pocket. <laughs> Definitely bird guides or, um, you know, any kind of um, guides for wildlife or plants. Um, let's see. Yeah, we usually have binoculars with us all the time. Um, yeah, so those are some things. Oh, and replica bird skulls are a big hit with the school groups. <laughs> right. So, but, but I'm sorry, as 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 <clears throat> as peace officers and uniform presence, we also do carry things like handcuffs, summonses, a baton, pepper spray. Radio. Yep, a radio to uh, to so we can communicate with our central communications. So these are all part of our duty belt, as you would imagine. Uh, walking around as a park ranger uh, can get a little bit heavy. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we certainly make sure that we're in great physical condition to be able to carry all of that stuff. Um, often our hikes are over two miles, so we just have to be able to be physically fit enough to carry all of that stuff on our belt and walk long distances. Rob, what does it mean to you to put that Smokey the Bear hat on every morning? Oh, I love it. You know, it's like iconic, you know, just, you know, lets everyone know where we are, you know. And I think people get really excited and happy to see a park ranger, you know. And it's funny because one time I was talking to a police officer and he said, "Um, you guys are lucky because every time the public sees you, they get excited and they wave to you and smile, but we don't get that. <laughs> and they have, you know, because they're uniformed as well. But yeah, I would say wearing this hat makes me proud because, you know, you know, I'm really passionate about the mission of the Rangers and the Parks Department to connect everyone to the parks and to nature, you know. What's the most common question would you say you get? Um, let's see. It depends on the park that we're in. Um, in Central Park, it's usually some kind of burden question. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, tons of tourists here, so you're always going to get the main question where's the bathroom <laughs> to be honest <laughs> how about for you um i worked at um when i was a field ranger uh, i started my career in the bronx i worked at van Cortland park and pelham bay when i was promoted to sergeant in 2009 i was then stationed at fort totten in queens uh fort totten in queens is a pretty uh special place not a lot of people know about it um, so I would often get questions about the history of Fort Totten, but Fort Totten has also been featured in a lot of um, uh, uh, like television shows. So we often get, what else was filmed here? Uh, Gotham was filmed here, wasn't it? Uh, Daredevil was filmed here, right? And like, yes, yes it was, yes it was. So uh, by the time I left, we started just keeping a tally of all of the famous things that were filmed at Fort Totten. Just recently, uh, last month, before the uh, first episode of the new season of, of HBO's Game of Thrones, they placed uh, the Iron Throne at Fort Totten. This was the site for the... They placed six thrones throughout the world, and the U.S. site was at Fort Totten. So uh, that's now what Fort Tyne is known as, the place where the Iron Throne was. Yeah, leave it to Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Favorite park? Um, Inwood Hill Park in northern Manhattan, absolutely. It's the oldest growth forest in Manhattan. Lots of natural and Native American history there. We have um, rock shelters, which are big uh, Manhattan schist rocks, which is the bedrock of Manhattan, that um, collapsed on each other during the last ice age mm. and formed like caves, like, you know, we call them caves, but more like rock shelters. 
um, a beautiful overlook of the Hudson River um, up in Inwood Hill Park. There's just so much to see up there, and it's a great place to forget that you're in Manhattan and, um, and to actually, like you were saying earlier, to get a glimpse of what you know Manhattan looked like years ago. For me, it would be Van Cortlandt Park, uh, one of the top five largest parks in the city, second largest park in the Bronx, a park that I grew up in. Um, as a runner, I enjoy that park. It's a park that stretches from the West Bronx to the East Bronx. I played baseball in that park as a little leaguer, uh, and it's a park where I began my career as an urban park ranger. So I have a very special place in my heart for Van Cortlandt Park. All right, is there anything we didn't talk about that either of you would want to add? Let people know, uh, you know, to come out and visit us in the park. You know, check our um, website to see what we have going on. Free events and programs every weekend. We call them the Weekend Adventures, and that's open to the public. So definitely check that out. Yeah, we, we, we do have a number of special programs uh, for our 40th anniversary. So uh, those will be on the park's website. Uh, we do invite the public to join us during our 40th anniversary and 40th anniversary and beyond so please um, if you haven't been to an urban park ranger program yet uh, in the last 40 years uh, please do attend this summer and uh, you know we really hope to see everyone in the park mark thanks so much for your time thank you very much george rob thank you thank you great to see you Mark Sanchez is deputy director of the Urban Park Rangers, and Rob Mastriani is an Urban Park Ranger supervisor sergeant. They've been with the Rangers for 14 years and 13 years, respectively. You can find upcoming events taking place in parks all over New York City at nycgovparks.org events. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. And thank you so much for listening.